In our social media age, when everyone's trying to boost their platform and preach their message, two pastors come together to put the pulpit aside and have some uncommon exchanges, some considerate conversations about cultural topics from a biblical worldview. We're not just trying to boost likes, comments, shares, and follows. We're trying to find some sanity, some clarity, and some unity in the midst of our diversity to offer some hope in a culture steeped in division, confusion, and toxicity. Come along with us as we put the pulpit aside. They say that hurt people hurt people. And let's face it, we've all been hurt by other people. And the crazy thing is, church is made up of people. Hurt people, like you and me. Though we serve a perfect God, we most definitely are not perfect. We mess up, we get it wrong, and we hurt other people. Big question is, are we willing to own our crap? Welcome everyone to Pulpit Aside. I am Pastor Coy, along with my friend here, Pastor Jesse. Today we'll be discussing church hurt, as well as this uh, concept of deconstruction that is going around not only in worldly circles, but also evangelical Christian circles. So, church hurt and deconstruction, you know, this is pretty serious content we're getting into. It's like our first content episode. I feel like we've just been setting context, you know? We, we shared our stories, mm. and then we talked about how to have a conversation. Now we're going to have to have a real conversation. Should yeah. be good. I'm excited. Be. Are you excited? I, I think so. You're, are you really? I mean, yeah, I mean, you're kind of in a mood today, but, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll work it out. Okay. We're going to have some... some some civil conversation like we talked about last time. All right. Practice Sounds what we good. Preach Sounds good. <laughs> all right. All right. What is deconstruction from Wikipedia? Which, of course, the fount of all good, good knowledge. Mm. Uh, good old says, Wikipedia. Says this. Faith deconstruction, also known as deconstructing the faith or evangelical deconstruction, the deconstruction movement, or simply deconstruction, is a phenomenon within American evangelicalism in which Christians rethink their faith and jettison previous held beliefs, sometimes to the point of no longer identifying as Christians. Mm. Related to what some are calling the ex-evangelical movement. In some ways, I've, I feel like the word evangelical has even become a dirty word like in the last couple of years. You know, that's know. a good point. Crazy. Yes, especially within certain Christian circles and maybe even those who used to be a part of Christian circles. Right. That's an interesting point. There. We're like afraid to call ourselves evangelical now because evangelicals are just the bad guy. They're always mm. the wrong. I mean, culturally, that feels like the narrative. Okay, a little more <laughs> definition in literary terms. I like this. Uh, deconstruction does not have to mean a demolition. Like mm. in literature, I mean, like they talk about this in literature. Deconstruction doesn't actually mean demolition. It means breaking down or analyzing something hmm. to discover its true significance, which supposedly almost never exactly what the author <laughs> intended. Now, I want to stop you right there because <laughs> that is something that when, you know, we were talking about this previously, getting ready for the show, it was, it was a very interesting nugget there in that explanation with regards to deconstruction, trying to get to what the initial person originally intended. Yeah. However, the group yeah. or the people who are trying to do that don't usually succeed in getting at what the author intended. I, I think that's yeah. a very um, significant point there. So. Absolutely. 
Well, one reason we wanted to bring it here is we'd asked on our social media, what should we talk about? And one of the hottest topics was deconstruction, because folks out there, friends of ours out there, have friends who have deconstructed, or, uh, which I felt like was related, was church hurt. Now, I don't know how deep we'll go on church hurt, but I think the two are related. Mm. Um, you know, and these are these are deep, deep waters. But the reason I, I feel like there's a powerful conversation to have is that Kind of the folks out there, if you will, <laughs> think that pastors don't want to talk about church hurt or deconstruction. They think that we as pastors want to pretend it, it's not valid, doesn't mm. exist. We kind of want to poo-poo the folks who are or deconstruction or, or just, you know, stand behind our pulpit, if you will, mm. and say, you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> You know, and I don't, I don't think that's fair and we're not going to be that, right? Like we're not going to be those guys. We're going to talk about it. We're going to be willing to, willing to talk about it. I mean, I I haven't pulled your church or the people who've come and gone, uh, but I'm sure there's a few that left hurt. Sure. And maybe even had valid reasons. Sure. I I would probably agree with that too. And I'm sure that they left hurt with valid reasons and they were hurt because of me. Mm. Um, Not that that was my intent ever. I don't. And I think that's part of the reason why why maybe some pastors don't like talking about this and didn't want to point the finger. We're good at pointing the finger. So it's okay if your church hurt came from your last church or it came from your childhood and now you're at my church because it's like I haven't haven't caused that church hurt. But I think that when we begin to realize that we could be the catalyst, we may be the... With somebody continuing yeah. on that church hurt for yeah. somebody else, that's a struggle for us. It is. You know, cause nobody, want, nobody wants to be the bad guy. We're going in that we're wrong. Right. We've talked about that before. Right? We have talked about that before. I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as long as you agree with me, that would be correct. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... I think it's really worthwhile for us to take time to talk about this. Um, I don't think it's fair to just poo-poo and castigate people who disagree or who are hurt or de- deconstructing and say they're wrong, you know? I think I think there could be something good to it, you know? Um, we should be ready and willing to own what we believe. Uh, and if we feel like what we've been taught or experienced has been false, we should be encouraged to explore it. I don't sure. think. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, rather than just told that we're wrong, I mean, how are we helping anyone? You know, when mm. when we again we we send them away because they're asking hard questions. Mm. <laughs> that is a good point. And I, I, you know, here's the thing. I think the other thing about we're going to talk about deconstruction and uh, individual sincerely, genuinely asking questions yeah. about what they have learned, what they've been taught. Right. And, and we're not going to just highlight the church hurt part of it. Right. Just simply asking questions about what we have been taught, what we have heard in church. I think it is good for us at times, as Paul would say, to work out our salvation. Yes. And part of working out our salvation is to really deal with some of the different doctrines or teachings that we have been taught growing up. And to ask ourselves, as you know, Peter reminds us, that you need to be able to give an account mm-hmm. for what you believe. Right. And so... Sometimes I talk, tell people all the time, you need to know what you believe and then why you believe it. Yes. So don't just know what, let's know why. Yeah. Because if I know what I believe, but I don't know why I believe what I'm saying I believe, then at some point, someone who understands more of why they believe what they believe can move me from what I say I believe, but I don't understand why. So 
I think a positive that deconstruction can have, or this concept of deconstruction could have, is it could help an uh, individual really begin to exercise their faith, work out their salvation, become more solid yeah. in what they say they believe. Yeah, I I would agree. I think I think again as we looked at the definition of it, analyzing it, taking apart the pieces for greater understanding of the why, I think is a great idea. It's a great practice for any Christian. And church leaders shouldn't be afraid of it. You know, but I think it's gotten messy uh, just in the way it, it happened in our world. And I mean, I guess we should ask the question, like, why have many deconstructed? What, what brings us to this place where there's this very public praying of you know the Christian subculture, if you will, uh, is there something we have done wrong? One thing that I've heard about, um, I was listening to somebody else who's been sort of through their own deconstruction phase or whatever, is the reason being dogma or or what they said, extremely rigid fundamentalism would would be what it's kind of a response to that extremely rigid fundamentalism. There's no room to ask honest questions where people are just told, like you said, what to believe, and you have to just take it at face value, you know. But I I think that that's that's a recipe for disaster. You know, um, I think maybe there was a day in in the past where, you know, maybe pastors and preachers became the paragons of of what's true and people followed, but in an information age, Hmm. where you can fact check anything, anytime, yeah, yeah. not that everything out there is true. Right. I think people want to have thoughtful, nuanced answers, not just dogma. They want to they know for real why they believe what they believe and why it's valid. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it definitely is a change. I feel like maybe a lot of our American church culture, if you will, has been more about doctrine and dogma, and this is the yes, and this is the no, and this is the what without the why. That's good. Yeah, but I will, let, me, let me play uh, the other side for a moment here. And when we talk about doctrine or dogma, mm-hmm. because dogma will probably be a more of a negative way of using doctrine and be positive. While there are probably individuals who are sincerely and authentically trying to ask the questions of, you know, not only what do we believe, even though you might have been told that, but you're like, what, what do we believe? And then trying to answer the question why, working out their salvation. I think there is those individuals who they're not looking to analyze and ask the question with the intent or the hope of finding the right answer. I think at times they're trying to deconstruct and to break it down with the expectation and hope of finding answers different than what is there. So it's almost like the intent is to tear down Christianity. Mm-hmm. The intent is to tear down the doctrines but because you consider end. them as dogma. Well, I think, well, you know, we weren't going to talk much about the Bible. I didn't the Bible already once. I'm going to bring another Bible verse. I mean, uh, for those of you out there listening, I mean, we are preachers, so every once in a while, this will happen. But we didn't uh, say we're putting the Bible aside, just putting the pulpit aside. Well, that part is true. That's good. Thank you. So I don't have to have three points. Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Make um, sure they alliterate. Too. Some people... <laughs> Remember, Paul talks about people want their ears tickled, too. Yeah. So there is that group of individuals. There is that that ear that wants to hear what they want to hear. And so let's say as African-American in America, if I want to prove or validate that Jesus is black, you know, I can use the Bible to say, you know, he has feet like 
the color of lamb, of color of wool, and hair like lamb's wool, right? So a lot of people will interpret that as okay. So he had he had kinky or what we might call nappy hair. So obviously he must have been a black man. Not only was that the case, but he's in the region where people actually have some color. So right. yeah. that's another thing. Well, we know that there are other cultures out there that do have you know kinky or you know uh, hair like wool. Okay, and so there's that. We know that the the, wait, the wait, shades. Wait, are, are you telling me Jesus isn't white? Jesus, maybe the Jesus you believe in. <laughs> Wait, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus is probably I more than likely not white. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought nah, I knew he was white. You know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> now the, the images on walls in churches in America, he's definitely white. But blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, that's right. That, that's just yeah. I know. So, that, but so, I, so, <laughs> so let's say you know you grew up in America and you experience all this racism or you experience a sense of Jesus never looking like you and then you come to the conclusion or realization he did look like me well or he at least had some color he didn't look like what I'm seeing in the images across our churches today man you can take that and now create a whole movement not only is Jesus black but the first you know everybody was black in the beginning and you know black is what was best and it's beautiful I mean like you can take it to the extreme too and so when people have tried to ask me, well, you know, do you think Jesus was black? I mean, you know what the Bible says, you know, hair, like wool, feet, color of bronze. I'm like, well, definitely he has some color, but I don't sure. know if he was black. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know that. And, yeah. and really, I'm not going to spend East. a whole lot of time you know? trying to prove that he was. Right. Because I don't know that that's really relevant to the real reason for why he came. Right. Now, it may be relevant to the individual who is studying because it empowers and encourages them. Living in a society where you may be somewhat oppressed. Yeah. But sometimes, now I'm looking to prove something that I'm now adopting or now that I've got some information on, I want to prove it. And I think that oftentimes, whether you're in the church, out of the church, maybe on your way out of the church. Mm trying to prove what you want to prove causes you to read the Bible through a lens that will oftentimes uh, be somewhat crooked. Yeah. And so whether you're, again, whether you're in the church trying to prove something, a certain dogma or a certain tradition, mm-hmm. uh, or whether, again, you are upset with the church and you're trying to prove that the church is wrong and that, you know, God is not really here or you I mean, just so, so, so there is that, there is those individuals who are also trying to look for something. And so in their deconstruction process, it's flawed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess there are two sides. I, I feel like I tend to want to side, uh, with those who are deconstructing and take a, as you know, we talked about in our last episode, a first Corinthians 13 approach. Like mm. I'm, I'm trusting, always hoping, always believing, you know, that they're genuine in their motive. But they're surely, and we have plenty of evidence to show that people will try to dissect dissect the Bible, dissect the truth to prove a point that isn't true. Yeah. They're looking for to substantiate false beliefs. Yes. For sure. And I'm not saying like like Jesus is necessarily a false belief, but um, for sure he wasn't white. I mean, that's another. That's another. That's another. I think we just get another topic another for another show. Right? Um, but uh, <laughs> that I, was just an I, example, I by the way. There's there's two sides to it for sure. I think there are people who are very genuine, and I I I, I tend to want to think that most people who find themselves in a place of deconstructing are hurt, probably, mm. um, or or just very genuine. Um, 
you know, thinking critically. And then, of course, there are probably those who have wrong motive. There's probably a yeah. few. In, but I feel like that, that has been overblown in some of the narrative okay. that says, oh, you know, people are just looking for a license to sin. So if they've grown up in this Christian environment, if they feel they can disprove it mm. or discredit it, then they can live how they want. And I feel like that's the, the church leadership narrative I've heard that I think is not helpful. I, can, I, can, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that's the majority of people or, or even people I know who have gone through questioning seasons yeah. uh, that you could call deconstruction. I think that they were, they've been genuine in their motivation, although they may be hurt and broken in their pursuit. Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, you know, and I think the reason I... Well, so what I was going to say is I think the dogma piece is I think people in our information age bristle against this idea of that's just the way it is. Mm. You know, like you just have to take it, you know, um, I'm telling you the truth. You just need to believe me or we can get into more unhealthy sort of leadership structures that I'm the leader. You have to submit to me, you know, yeah. and don't defy me. And I think that that's real, too. I think, you know, toxic leadership structures in the church. I think bristle in our current age and should mm. we, we should address toxic leadership cultures and not give them a pass in the church because people can preach and find scriptural foundation for why you should submit to your leaders. But what does submission actually look like? Mm. What does honor actually look like? And yeah, I think, uh, I think there's something good to it, at least in the, the vein of exposing what's true and what's false in the church and in those who call themselves believers. Sure. You know, I think it, it creates uh, the fraying, may, maybe just the exposing what was there all along. You know, who was just playing along, you know, and who was truly sincere in their faith. I mean, that, that, that's what will shake out at the end of the day. You know, those that are questioning but sincere will find them still following Jesus, mm. you know, years down the road. They may wander, but if they really wanted to know Jesus, they'll, they'll, they'll follow Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's not so torn up or, you know, wringing his hands over our questions, mm. you know, and even our maybe throwing off traditions now and then. I, I don't think Jesus is getting fretting or sweating on his throne about, mm. you know, some of these questions that people are at. I just don't think he's as concerned as we are. I think leaders are threatened, though. Because, you know, I think they feel like they're, they're, some of them, their power structures are being threatened. Mm. Um, and I think for some, they feel like their credibility is being questioned. And uh, whether or not that's needed, I, I don't know. But I think that that's why leaders have been afraid to, to talk about it in ways that are healthy and, and open. So all that to say, I'm for it. I think the Bible is for it. Second Corinthians, I get to bring out the Bible too, right? <laughs> Second uh, Corinthians 13, I think, gives us a reason, actually. Uh, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? And, unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. But really, what I'm looking at there is, like, the, the apostles saying that we should often be examining ourselves about what we believe, why we believe it, and how we're living it. Is, is this really true for us? Mm. And I think it's the church 
can benefit from regular examining of like, well, why do we do what we're doing? Hmm. You know, why do we have this tradition? Is this really necessary? Is it really biblical? Is it really godly? Not every tradition is biblical, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Sure. Structure is okay. Structure is helpful. Tradition can be helpful. It, but if we make that our, you know, immovable foundation, that's where we've gone wrong. Sure. If our tradition becomes immovable instead of Jesus being the one that's mm. immovable as a firm foundation. I think other than, than Jesus and the word of God, everything else is subject to change. Sure. Well, that's a good word. We talk about toxic cultures and we ask the question, you know, what are involving these toxic cultures? How have they been, you know, what has created them? Um, and so one of the things that we have talked about was legalism within the church. Mm. Legalism is something that can create a toxic culture yeah. because it creates um, an attitude of, hey, we can't do anything because everything that we do that's worldly is wrong bad. and you're bad, so don't do it. And then the Christians grow up feeling like they, you know, they can't wear certain clothes, they can't go to certain sporting events, right. they can't listen to certain music, right. um, can't can't be comedians, can't make certain jokes, right, or can't make jokes at all. And so you you get these different things that come out of legalism, and and, and so that is creating some kind of toxic culture. Yeah. Another one was the performance-driven Christianity, mm. where. You know, you gotta you gotta perform. You know, there's these rules that we gotta keep and we gotta perform, which kind of is birth or is another like I guess you would say lane of legalism. Mm. You didn't you kind of mentioned the dictatorship yeah. type role of leadership in church. This is where the pastor functions more like a king or ruler, mm-hmm. president, as opposed to a shepherd. Right. Um. So. You have these things happening, um, and we didn't even get to this one yet, but I know we're going to talk about it later, and that is politics. And uh, more yeah, so yeah. recently, politics uh-huh. has really polarized and uh-huh. divided us within the church. And so, in some sense, when I think about these types of things that create toxic cultures, if I'm going to be honest, these things exist in every last subculture of our culture. <laughs> Okay. In our country, talk, today, talk about I mean, that. Like, like legalism. Legalism, yeah. Performance. Performance driven. We we live in a very much performance driven world. Yeah. It's very much performance driven. Yeah. And again, performance driven is just like another lane of like legalism. It is, you know, you do all these things. If you do this, do this, do this, your life's gonna be Conform good. Perform. Yeah. You'll succeed. And you succeed. Mm. You know, and so, um, and we do live in a society where whoever is, you know, gotten decisions. I don't care if it's the president, the senate, the council. So, I mean, the governor, they, they all feel like it's their piece of power and they got to protect it and they got to tell us what to do. And we should trust them no matter what, because they know what's best because they got all the people around them telling them how we feel and how we should think and what we should want and what's best for us. By the end of the day, when it gets to that part, I think that there's oftentimes accountability at the top, just not for the top. Mm, say that again. So there... <laughs> So oftentimes in leadership, there is accountability at the top. It's just not for the top. And so we don't have a problem or leaders don't have a problem holding everyone underneath them accountable. It's when they're doing the same thing, making the same decisions and mistakes, they don't want to be held accountable. And again, we see all of this stuff in every pretty much every subculture that we see in our country today. I won't say our world. I won't put the whole world out there, but to some degree, I mean, these types of things exist. And so toxic cultures 
are everywhere, not just in the church. Yeah. And I think that if we as the church started to just acknowledge, yeah, you can't go anywhere and not have some toxicity in the culture in which you find yourself in. This is not heaven. This is still earth. Just the thin nature. Well, and all, truth be told, whenever you're dealing with sick people, <laughs> you're going to have sick people problems. Yeah. And the church is no different than the rest of the world. There's still a place full of sick people trying to get well, trying to get better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've said this on this show before, but I've said it before, and that is, and I say this at church a lot, church is nothing but a hospital for sick people. This is why we come every week. Mm-hmm. We come every week because we still sick, we're trying to work out the sickness. People leave the hospital mm-hmm. when they get healed, when they're better. The reason why we keep coming to church is because we ain't never going to actually be completely healed until Jesus returns. And so uh, you're going to have a lifetime yeah, 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 of yeah. working on yourself and getting better. Yeah, and yeah. through some of that, you're going to experience within even the church culture at times some toxic things that take place because yep. you're still dealing with sick people, even at the top. Yes. Even yeah, at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. Leaders, yeah. we sick too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll speak for yourself, you know. I, <laughs> oh, I forgot, <laughs> Mr. Perfect over here. Only, only, uh, ain't, ain't never been wrong. <laughs> never, never, not a day. I'm just playing. Uh, no, I think that you, that's a great perspective. That yeah, this doesn't just exist within the church. Um, this idea of conform and you will succeed. Mm. Um, but I think it's definitely what's what's produced a lot of this. And I, I, I guess I just feel like. You know, that legalism piece, especially where we, we've tried to inform, especially younger generations, like these are the do's and the don'ts yeah. without instructing them on the why. And we, we create a performant, performistic or whatever culture without having hearts shaped. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's, that's where it becomes toxic is I'm told how to act, but I, my heart's not cultivated with the why. Sure. Of course you're going to, you know, uh, rebel against that, you know. And um, I, I remember in my early youth leadership days, like the mantra was like rules without relationship will create a culture of rebellion. Mm. And uh, I think, uh, we, yeah, I think that much of church Christian growth in our Western culture has has grown up on moralistic values and ideologies, but hasn't always um, cultivated the heart, you know, of the matter. We're good with our doctrine. Sometimes we're a little bit dogmatic, um, <laughs> but in terms of cultivating hearts that own the why of, of what they believe, you know, I think is what is missing. And again, I think it's exacerbated in an information age mm. where you can get a thousand different opinions. Yeah. You know, it's not just what you hear on Sunday morning, right. you know, it's what you sit on and see on YouTube at 1201, <laughs> you know, when, when you walk out of church and you've got questions and you're looking for a different opinion and, uh, I, we, it's not going to work anymore to just say, this is right. And this is wrong. Even if it's true, mm. Mm. I think what people need, you know, and you said it too, is like not a king or, a, you know, a dictator is a shepherd. They need shepherds who will lead them like Jesus does, like gently mm. and um, have even be willing to have robust discussions about questions of why. 
Sure. Without getting offended or feeling our power structures are being threatened. Yeah. You know, I, I think of how Jesus looked on the crowds and he saw, and these were very religious people who knew all the, the doctrine and all the dogma, but mm. he said they were harassed and helpless, mm. like sheep without a shepherd. And I think the call to Christian leaders in this hour is to be shepherds. Good. That's good. Yeah, and I think that as the we're making a, you know, we're making a call or we're well, kind of like a, a challenge to the shepherds to, to be shepherds and to mm-hmm. cause leaders to to accept the same of accountability that they put in place in other people's lives in their own lives. Um, I think we also have to challenge and remind the sheep that they should study to show themselves approved. Mm-hmm. That they should do a better job at really engaging in the text for themselves. Mm. Many of them don't pick up a Bible until Sunday morning, and well, they're only hearing what I have to say. Mm. And I may have spent 20 hours preparing this sermon, mm. so I have a lot that I can't give them in, right. in 35 to 45 right. minutes. That's right. And so if all you're getting is what you're, I'm giving you on Sunday, and then, mm. you know, Bishop Jake's on YouTube here, mm. and Joel Osteen over there, and, you know, Stephen Furtick over there oh, you, for 20, 30 minutes. like controversial characters. Well, it is, right there, but, but people are listening to all those characters. <laughs> and so at that moment, they're hearing things and they're taking all this information in as if it was TikTok or mm. Snapchat, mm. not realizing that you don't have much context mm. uh, or even content around what you've just been given. Yeah. And so I think that the sheep, you know, have to also do a better job at, you know, when you hear stuff from the pulpit, instead of even trying to deconstruct it, looking for what the pastor was wrong at, you got to ask the question in case he didn't explain why he's saying this. Why would, I know. Why would he so, be saying this? I mean, yeah. why would God tell us that we should not be with someone sexually until we get married? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, why, why, why would he say that? Yeah. And you start asking that question, why? Mm. Even the Bible doesn't give you all of the reasons why, mm. but you can just look at your friends and society and be like, you know what? <laughs> I can see why just because of the results of what I'm seeing in other people's yeah. lives. And yeah. so... I do think that the sheep also have to be reminded that as you are a, a disciple of Christ, as you are a Christian, whether you're in leadership or not, uh, in the pulpit or the pew, that we got to spend a lot more time in our word and in prayer and getting a deeper relationship with the Lord. Yes. Because I'm here to tell you, the Lord... It can't be just external. And it can't just be him getting a relationship with us. The Lord has a relationship with all of his children. Yeah. All of the, yeah. all believers. Yeah, yeah. We've all been given the Holy Spirit, which helps connect us mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't take time in prayer, read the word, I don't take time to like listen for God, fasting, praying, yeah, yeah, yeah. silence and solitude, then... The relationship is really not getting deep, and all of a sudden, God looks like just someone who's giving out a bunch of rules. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly God wanting a relationship. Yeah. But he feels like, oh, he's God just giving out rules. So, you know, I think. No, that's good. The, the, the sheep, we have to be reminded too. There's, uh, a, responsibility there's a responsibility there. on all of us as leaders and as, you know, I hate to say followers, but congregants. Or disciples. Disciples, yeah. Follow, we're all, follow, all, followers all followers of Jesus. That's right, yeah. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower You're trying of Jesus. to be a follower. Everybody's you trying, say, I was, trying wait, to Wait, wait, you are, and I'm trying. You, wait. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, just, I'm trying. <laughs> You're doing a good job. All right. Did I stroke your ego good enough? No, I'm that just time? saying, I just, I didn't want to be less than you. That's all. I mean, I, was, I thought we were like, you know, are you doing doing this together. <laughs> you're not going to be a snowflake over there, are you? I mean, good. <laughs> <laughs> No, you made such a good point. I think if it's just externals, then it's easy to throw it away. Hmm. 
you know, if it's just somebody imposing ideas on you that you don't own, you don't have mm. your own revelation, if you will, of Jesus being Lord and Christ and uh, receiving his offer to you, then, yeah, it's going to be really easy to deconstruct. It's going to feel like a real hollow shell. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, there's a there's a, a responsibility on everyone who calls them a believer to be a disciple, mm. to be a follower, like you said. And I think that's that is so, so important um, and important. You know, part of what has been interesting is I think in our culture with social media and all that is that when people have been questioning their faith, like now everybody goes to social media, you know, and you broadcast, mm. you know, your newfound thought, you know, and then it becomes who you are, yeah. you know, like we, instead of having an honest conversation with a friend or a leader or a mentor about the question you're having, you just post it out on, on social media and now you're a defector, you know, you're a deconstructor, mm. uh, you know, but you know, what if you change your mind next week? You know, you already put that out there and even if you delete it, you can't, you can't ever take it back, you right. know? So part of what makes this so messy is like, um, we, we have this social media culture where we feel like we have to live our whole life out in the open. You know, we have to like mm. shout out our latest thought, you know, um, to the watching world, you know, our audience, whoever they may or may not be, you know, and then that becomes us, uh, rather than us having nuanced relationships and real conversations, you know, we're processing internally and digitally. Like, what are we doing? Mm. You know, I think that that's part of part of the mess, too, because I, I think I've seen in some of some people's stories, you know, even people who like were known like worship leaders or whatever, where they're like, I'm not sure if this is real. And then they post it out there. And of course, you know, all of evangelicalism reacts like, yeah. what are we doing? And who are these people? And, you know, months later, after they actually get to talk through their issues and their hurt and their pain, and their trauma, like, oh, you know, I was just having a moment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You had to put that moment out there for the rest of the world. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to hide our questions, but like, I think there's just something about our digital media culture that, that makes it messier. Yeah. Um, you know, cause then did everyone else hear your, your second part of your story, right. you know, right. or did they just hear like, Oh, this worship leader I really have admired says he has doubts about his face. What am I been leaving? Mm. And it sends, you know, some young person on their own journey of like, it must not be real. And they don't come back for part two. Right. You know, where so-and-so like got into the word and actually talked to the Lord and, um, got solidified on their why and, and dealt with their own pain. You know, they don't see part two, you know, and they're on their own path, you know, walk walking perhaps walking away from the lord you know there's a lot of things you could say about that like mm. well your relationship should go beyond that worship leader you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh there, there's a lot there but it's it's just so so messy um but back back to the point how can we as leaders respond well in, in this culture when people are asking hard questions let's put it that way well, I think you kind of alluded to it already when you said that as shepherds, we have to do a better job at, at shepherding. We got to look more like Jesus, love like Jesus, yeah. lead like Jesus. Yeah. And so I think part of it is we do invite some of these conversations into it, into our, into a dialogue. And instead of being offended or instead of trying to feel like I got to prove to you that what I've been telling you is all right. Mm. If we just take more of an approach, hey, let's talk about what it is that you're struggling with. Let's use the Bible at times. Let's also use maybe other tools that you've been kind of leaning on to give you some insight and some wisdom. Let's talk through it. At the end of the day, I think that leaders and shepherds also have to realize that we're just planting water and seed. Yeah. 
the goal is for God to grow it. Like, that's the goal. If I'm planting and watering with that goal in mind, it's not my job to grow it. Yeah. It's not my responsibility to make sure that it's full bloom. It's my responsibility to plant and water some seeds so that that way as this child or as this part of God's creation is trying to work out either their own salvation or a relationship with Jesus that is genuine and authentic, uh, I'm just there to kind of help coach you and, and push you along and, and, and love you through it. And if you decide not to love Jesus when it's over with, or if you come to the conclusion that Christianity is not for you or you want to walk away from it, I, I allow you that, all, that grace and that space to walk away and to, you know, not point the finger, not talking bad about you, but simply allowing you to continue on this journey. Yeah. I think too often, you alluded to this also in your last comment, we want to share the process yeah. in the middle of the process mm. as opposed to getting through the process and then sharing a completed process. Yeah. And this is why, again, people hear part one but don't hear part two. Right. Uh, mm. Get through the process. And I think that if we did that more often than not, just allow people to go through the process, allow ourselves to go through the process, and then begin to communicate and flesh out what we have learned as a result of the process, we would do a much better job at helping navigate people or helping people to navigate through. I mean, we're, all, we're all in some kind of process, too, right? Yeah. How do you say it? We're all, we're all a little sick. Yeah. I don't like confessing that. <laughs> but, you know, it's probably, it's, it's true. Yeah, it's thank true. you. You both, but you about to say it was probably true. It was it's hard. <laughs> it was hard for me to admit that I might have some sick in me, but I know it's true. I do know it's true. Yeah. It's true for all of us. And again, I think that's part of the healing to be able to say it. So now I'm part of the problem, I guess. But you know, to when we paint a picture that to be a follower of Jesus or a Christian is to have it all together. Mm. I think. That's toxic too. Yeah, I think that that's part of the problem. I think that um, we as leaders need to have to learn to be more than a preacher and a truth teller. You know, uh, we gotta learn to put the pulpit aside, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and, and learn to be a listening ear, and not just preachers and pastors. I re any. Christian who has some level of maturity and some foundation under them that they've gone through some of their own process, I think needs to learn to be a, a listening ear. Mm. So we need to be able to hear people and their pain, not just offer quick solutions and platitudes. Uh, I think that that's what's most offensive, and I think that that builds walls, not bridges. When we, when we answer someone's pain with a platitude, mm. well, you know, you know, we yeah. slap a Bible verse on it instead of loving them through the process. As true as what may be said is, it doesn't acknowledge the person or their pain. And I think we all need to grow in having just a listening ear. Um, I think if we are just so quick to tell people how wrong they are, we're going to be the ones that push them away. Mm. Good. Good. Um, I was listening to something, um, and I'm still processing it, so here I'll put some of my mess out there, but I was listening <laughs> to uh, another podcast speaker, and he was saying, you know, Jesus still carries his wounds with him to this day, you know, mm. and uh, th there's a couple ways to think about that, but it just, it just struck me because in one way or another, again, not that we should all be bleeding out all the time, we, we all are sick, we're all are wounded, but we need to, maybe if we understand like that, that Jesus still carries 
I'll say the the impact of his wounds. He's not still bleeding. You know what I mean? That we may never come to a place where we are free of problems or where it looks like nothing bad, bad has ever happened to us. But we may even carry our wounds forever, but we don't have to carry the, the pain of that. Mm. You know, because doesn't Isaiah say, like, he was wounded yeah. for our transgression. The, the, the punishment was put on him that brings us peace. And if we know that Jesus carries wounds for eternity, can't we find um, the healing for our own wounds in him? Mm. You know, that, that we may forever remember, we won't forget the way uh, our sin or other people have hurt us, but we can be cleansed from the pain of it. Yeah. You know, because Jesus took it. That's good. That's good. That actually kind of causes us to think about the other side or another aspect of this topic with regards to toxic cultures, deconstruction, that is church hurt as well. Yeah. I think that you said was probably the major issue or reason why deconstruction was happening. Um, and so that's something that... Uh, we need to spend a little time talking about church hurt. So we're going to do that. Uh, but in order for you to catch that, you're going to have to tune in to part two of our time dealing with pulpit aside deconstruction in the church. And so we want to thank you for joining us today, being a part of our show, listening for the time that you have listened. We are very much encouraged by those of you who are listening. And yeah commenting and letting us know that you're enjoying this and even giving us different topics to talk about That's right because if you keep giving us topics i mean then <laughs> you know more shows for us to do That's so right. hey, if you find this content helpful valuable enjoyable share it tell somebody about it and uh, we would love to hear from you you can follow us on social media or on instagram at pulpit aside um, or email us at pulpit aside at gmail.com We'll catch you next time. We push the pulpit aside.